Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Thanks to Neds. Whatever you bet on, take it to the Neds level. You win some, you lose more. What is up, punters and dribblers? This episode of All Talk is brought to you by Dr. V, Australia's first and best all-natural energy drink. That's right, Tom. If you want to detox and supercharge your physical and mental health, we'll do it with Dr. V. And there are 100% natural energy drinks. It's the way to go. We're back yarning. We're back yarning this week with a rugby league legend, a rugby union legend, a, unfortunately, Queensland origin legend, uh, the one and only Matty Rogers. I was very excited for this yarn. Um, he, and we sort of speak about it a little bit in there, Ed, but like he is, uh, for us, like he was a... He was a legend of our youth, right? Where like where you looked 100%. up to someone and they were like godly and they were older than you. Now it's like you see a fucking twenty five year old killing it. You're like, I'm really like, I can't, I can't idolize Reese Walsh. No, I he, can, I can be impressed by his physical attributes and how hot he is. Yes, Matty Rogers came along at just the right time, at least for me. That's when I was really loving my rugby union. Yeah, I was, I was frothing on it. And the Wallabies were great. We'd won five bleds in a row, six bleds in a row. Obviously, the World Cup happened. We don't talk about that. But Matty Rogers is a big part of that, mm. right? He was around in that era. And for me, it was always one of the cool cats. Mm. So to be able to sit down and yarn with a cool cat yep. of our era, of our vintage time. Yep. What an honour. What an honour. Punters and dribblers, here is Matty Rogers. Thank you very much for coming on. It's uh, it's a, it's an honour. It's an honour and a privilege. We've been big fans of yours. You are... Uh, you were, you know, one of the great players of our, like, when you were a kid, you know, when you really sort of idolised players and looked up to players, you were one of those guys back in the day. How, um, how do you look back on your, on your career as now, what are you, 47 or something? Sorry to bring that up. But, like, how, <laughs> how do you look back on those, on those times uh, and reflect as, a, as an, old, an old boy? Oh, mate, I, I, I don't really. I mean, when certain things come up, like, like you know, I mean, we've got the Blood is Low Cup coming up, so, you know, everybody sort of harks back to 21 years ago, the last time we won it, and, you know, I, I normally get dragged out, and it's not a bad junket, actually. Um, maybe, I should, maybe, maybe I should hope that the, the Wallabies never win it again, and I'll keep getting the uh, call up. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got to be honest. I, I don't really reflect too much. Um, I'm sitting in a room at my house now, and I've got a lot of jerseys on the walls that sort of give me a lot of fond memories. I've got a few of my dad's jerseys up and stuff, and uh, it's pretty cool. I feel privileged to have had the career I had, and it's always nice when you meet a fan. And he comes up and says, oh, I love watching you. Or I supported, you know, the Sharks because of you. I was at, I was at Henson Park on the weekend watching Newtown play at the beer, uh, footy and um, food festival. And there was about 15,000 people there. And there were a lot of old Sharkies fans, you know, talking about the old times. So there's times when it pops up, but I don't sort of sit back and 
think, oh, gee, I was good. I'm just grateful. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity, you know. Can you tell a rugby union fan as opposed to a rugby league fan when they're coming up to say good day? Can you, like, spot them a mile away? Where you go, oh, there's some RMs on that bloke. <laughs> He's probably coming to talk about rugby union as opposed to, uh, to rugby league. Yeah, yeah, you certainly know the difference. There's a, there's a different style of fan. My wife... <laughs> <laughs> my wife, when I, when I met my wife, she... she um, I was playing for the Waratahs and I invited her to a game and... You know, she came along with a few of her girlfriends and they got all dressed up and, you know, they, they went into sort of like a private suite and then we had the, the reception after the game and the SCG members. Um, and it was, you know, really, it was pretty posh, you know, it was pretty nice. And then, um, you know, we started travelling around um, the world and, and, you know, she'd come to, you know, test match at Twickenham and the post-match function, there's, you know, Prince Harry and Prince William and, you know, they'd say day and it was just sort of like, part and parcel of her introduction to sporting life and she wasn't into sport at all um and then i i brought her back to rugby league and she said you it's like you've taken me from ramwick in the members to the dapdo dogs like, what have you done to me so um it's certainly <laughs> it's certainly a bit different but um very passionate yeah. fans of rugby league yeah, fans you listen to All Talk with Hello Sport on SEN. Today we are talking with Matt Rogers. Now, Matty, you, you, were, you were mentioning just before we started that Manly got the win over the Sharkies. Are they still close to your heart, the Sharks, or are you more of a Titans man now? Oh, no, no, I'm a Shark. You can, you can see up the top there. That's, that's my old man's uh, Dally M jersey from 1981. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, a, I'm, I believe black, white, and blue, mate. I, I love, I love the Titans. Don't get me wrong. I mean, but you know, given the history um, of of my family, and you know, sort of grew up running around on Shark Park as a, as a, you know, from from when I can remember, you know, chasing dad and the footy around. I, uh, I, I, I went back down to Shark Park on the weekend. It was really nostalgic. You know, they asked me to speak to the team before the um, the Steve Rogers Cup that they play against Manly. Obviously, it had no effect whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll ask you back next week. Um, yeah, they had the worst first 40 minutes they've had all year. But um, I, I, I just, I, when, I, when I went out onto the field, um, before I talked to the team on the Friday, Wade Graham was out there and he, and he had his two little boys running around on the field with him. And it just took me back to being that little four-year-old and, and the dream of, of playing for the Sharks and following my dad's footsteps. So it was a pretty, um, yeah, it was a pretty special few days to be down there and around the Sharks uh, in, in what is to my family an incredibly special game. Mm. Um, but yeah, as a, as, a, as, a, as a kid that dreamt of playing for the Sharks, it's hard to then to go, oh, you know, I played for the Titans for a few years and now I want to be a Titan. <laughs> I do feel like the Gold Coast is home though. I grew up, you know... I, I I left the Titans. I, I, sorry, I left I left Sydney when I was very young. So I was about sort of nine years old, and I and I spent you know all my formative years in Queensland. Grew up in Queensland, and you know in those years that you just really remember, you know, running amok as a teenager, and um, so the opportunity to come back and play for them was great. And you know now live here with, and have done for the last you know eighteen years with my with my wife and kids. So it's been great. You, you're talking about, uh, you know, the dream to play for the Sharks and obviously your old man's career is doesn't need to sort of be explained. He was a legend of the game. What's it like chasing, like chasing that dream that is it like and being in the shadows of your old man 
when you're trying to do it? Did it feel uh, like there was extra pressure on you to do so? Did you feel that pressure or was it just like, was footy always, I guess, were you allowed to just enjoy the game as opposed to feeling like, holy shit, I want to do it because dad's done it? Uh, I, I was desperate to do it. I'll, I'll tell you, like I, my, my old man didn't have too much input on my career as a kid. Um, he was pretty busy, uh, and you know he was, he was a bit of a lad, so he enjoyed his time with the boys. and And to be honest, I, I reckon he probably came and watched me play half a dozen times. Like it was just the way it was. <laughs> um, but I was desperate to get his attention, so I was all about uh, you know trying to play well, so he'd give me the, that attention. Uh, it was okay. quite a um, bizarre sort of setup, but. In, at the end, like I just wanted it really bad, so like I, I didn't, right. I didn't feel the pressure. What I felt, I felt people knew who I was when I'd rock up to footy games as a kid. Um, but I thrived on it. I, I really embraced it and thought, "Yep, I am Steve Rogers' son, and you'll see." You know, and um, it wasn't anything that um, put me off. But I, but I'll tell you this: I, as a kid, I, I, always, I researched a lot of like I just loved footy, so I researched a lot of players and you know had a lot of favorite players and um what i did research was how many father and sons have, have done really well or has has a son ever been as big as his dad and, and i just found that no one had and it, and, it, and that did worry me and i'm thinking well maybe it's not meant to happen that way but i was determined to sort of try to i mean i, I never reached the heights of my old man in in rugby league um you know to, to captain australia and, and win the dally m it's it's um it's a pretty you know, special honour and, you know, obviously had the talent to do that. Um, I never reached those heights, but I feel like I sort of got reasonably close. Absolutely. Um, you know, Steve Rogers was, you know, in my opinion, should be a, should be an immortal, but uh, probably not having that premiership next to his name is probably the thing that um, held, held him yeah. back on that front. When it came to State of Origin, how did that go down with the old man? Because... That was a bit of a f- to dad, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, get that up, you old man. No, I'll tell you how it happened. So, so, um, so Wayne Bennett, so I'd played for Queensland my whole life, right? So I'd played under 12s, under 15s, open school boys, all for Queensland. Uh, and I felt like that, that was who I was. What, what a lot of people don't realise is my old man grew up in Queensland too. So, so he played his first first grade oh, okay. game for the Gold Coast Tigers, which is now the Southport Tigers. Played in the centres in 1972 uh, when, the, when the Gold Coast Tigers won the Premiership. Outside him was a sprightly uh, young flying winger by the name of Clive Palmer. Um, not, 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 anymore, but, not, um, no, not, wait, is that the Clive Palmer, Clive yeah, Palmer? Yeah. Get, f- no way. So he's whacked him yeah. on. Oh, well, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's whacked him on. He's let it yeah, go. He's yeah, let himself yeah. go. Whoa, I did not know that. No. Nah. Yeah, so, so my old man, as a, as a 16-year-old, was playing first grade for up here in Queensland. And uh... my, my, my grandfather, he actually was a big St George fan. My, my uncle, my dad's brother, who's about 12 years older than my dad, got signed to play for St George. And he went away to Vietnam and came back not the same and unfortunately took his life. And it's a horrible story. Um, my, my old man um, and my, 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 my grandfather was a big St. George man. And he took my dad at the end of that. Well, at the end of that season, my dad had met my mum. And my, my grandfather said, I, I want to take you to Sydney. And dad didn't want to go because he didn't want to leave my mum. You know, they were 17 years old at the time. And, and my, my grandfather said, you know, I'm taking you. So my mum and dad ran away. They, they sort of basically ran off and they, they couldn't be found. And my grandfather found my dad. 
and said, I've, I've got to get you to Sydney, mate. There's an opportunity for you. And um, he said, well, I'm not going if I can't take my wife. Uh, I can't take Carol. And um, he said, well, you can't, you're not married. He goes, well, I'll marry her on my 18th birthday and you can take, and I'll go to Sydney then. So they did. They got married on my dad's 18th birthday and they, they went to Sydney. Um, yeah. It was the day after my dad's birthday. They weren't allowed to get married on his birthday. So they got married the day after my dad's 18th birthday. My mum was a born and bred Gold Coast girl. She was one of 13 kids. So I've got about 4,000 cousins in Queensland. <laughs> when the opportunity came around to play for Queensland, well, well when State of Origin first started, the, the reality was my old man should have played for Queensland, mm. um, given the fact that he played his first first grade and stuff up here. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so he's actually, he's actually the problem here, not you. Yeah, yeah. So, my, so Wayne Bennett uh, called me, and he knew the whole story. He knew my family history, obviously, and, and he asked me, you know, who I'm going to play for, and... I just sort of said, well, I didn't think I had a choice because Dad played for New South Wales. I thought I was going to be forced to play for New South Wales. And he said, no, mate, that's not the case. He goes, you've got a choice. And he goes, and if you want to play for Queensland, I'll pick you now. And this was two weeks before Queensland, were, were, were before the origin sides were going to be picked. So I'm like, oh, that, that sounds good. Uh, <laughs> let me, uh, he, said, don't, he said, don't tell me now. And out of respect to my family, like Wayne said, don't tell me now. Ring your dad and ask your dad. Yeah. So I rang dad and I said, dad, Wayne Bennett rang me and he wants me to play for Queensland. He goes, well, why wouldn't you? He goes, you, you've never played. So you played for Queensland your whole life. He goes, your mum will be over the moon that she can actually support the state where she was, where she grew up and all your family's up there. And <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I should play for Queensland. That's, that's where my heart is. And I, I played, I, I rang Wayne back and I said, I'm in. And he said to me, <laughs> he said, right. He goes, well, you're in the side. He said, unless, I hear about it from any, from someone else. So I'm a 21-year-old kid, just been told I'm in the Queensland side and I've got to keep it quiet for two weeks. <laughs> the most, the person I was worried about the most was the old man. I'm like, he's going to screw this. He's going to screw this. Thing. He was the CEO of Mallet at the time. He's going to tell someone. Wayne Bennett's going to find out about it. He's not going to pick me and then New South Wales will never pick me. So, um, yeah, it was, it was a nerve-wracking two weeks. But um, we made it and uh, yeah, I ended up playing for Queensland, which was, which was amazing. So I actually remember um, I, I, didn't, I didn't tell mum um, and I told dad not to tell mum because I wanted to go and see her and tell her I was going to play for Queensland. And my, my mum, she, was, she had cancer at the time, so she, she was um, sick. And for her to hear me tell her I was going to play for Queensland, she just broke down in tears. It was it was a pretty special time. So um, yeah, it's something that I, I if I, if you ask me to do it again, there's not even a, a second thought in my mind. It's um, you know I'm playing for Queensland every day of the week. Yeah, that's awesome. That's it's that's a that must have been a wonderful thing to be able to like experience to be able to have. Yeah, I mean to play. I mean, my first game was at the old Lang Park, you know, in 1999. Um, you know, to play Origin there, and you know, we won the game nine eight, and I kicked a winning field goal, so it was sort of um, yeah, it was a pretty pretty cool experience. You are listening to All Talk with Tom and Eddie from the Hello Sport Podcast, and we are talking to former NRL and rugby union legend Matty Rogers. Now, Matty, how old were you then? Uh, I think I was twenty two, maybe. Shit, that's pretty hectic, hey? Kicking the winning field goal at twenty two years old. No, I would have been twenty three. Twenty three. Twenty three. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was insane. Like you, you think you sort of can handle it all. Um, it got to the point, you know, like I remember coming back from the game and the pilot of the, the plane was a Queenslander. <laughs> uh, and I had to fly back to Sydney, obviously. 
and he invited me up to sit in the cockpit and fly with him and stuff. And I'm like, got the controls of this jet with 200 people behind me. He's like, you can do it, mate. You can handle this. You can handle Origin. <laughs> that, that, was, that was before the days of... Um, before the days of, you know, not allowed in the cockpits and stuff like that. So it was, it was insane, I've got to tell you. But it just went on for weeks. And I was just like, no more. I don't have to tell the press guy at the Sharks, I don't want to speak to anyone anymore. Like, it's too much, you know. Like, um, it knocked me around a bit. Unbelievable. So when did, when did Rugby Union come knocking on your door? And how did that all go down? Um, after the 2000 Rugby League World Cup, um, I knew Wendell was going over. And, and I, I, had, um, I had this sort of, um, I, I'll tell you this, if, if Rugby Union was professional in 1994, I, I don't think I would have ever played Rugby League. Ah. Um, I played Australian schoolboys in 1993. I loved playing rugby, um, had the best four years at, at boarding school at TSS, had, had the best bunch of mates. You know, I'd experienced what rugby had to offer. You know, I've travelled around the world and, um, you know, playing rugby, and I just, I just really enjoyed it. Uh, come, you know, end of nineteen ninety three, I had no offers on the table at all from any rugby league clubs because I was off the radar. There was no social media like there is today. It was, and I didn't have a manager, and I was just sort of, you know, playing rugby, you know, doing my thing. And mm. um, I, I actually had my first fifteen coach, a guy named Gary Nusafora, who's a, uh, absolutely. Champ, absolute champion of a bloke. He goes, what are you going to do? He goes, are you going to have a crack at league or do you want to stay in rugby? I said, I want to stay in rugby. So he took me around to a few clubs and I think um, up in Brisbane and, you know, there, there was a, it was a pretty standard response to every meeting because I always thought, you know, like, yeah, they say it's amateur, but I think they're going to pay people. I think there's some stuff going on behind the scenes and... <laughs> Every club I went to, it was like, you know, we, we, we really want you to come play at our club. Um, obviously, we can't offer you any money, but, you know, we can certainly help find you a job. So you know, <laughs> what do you like to do? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well, this isn't going the way I wanted. Well, I ended up agreeing to, to well, well, internally, I'd, ag- I'd agreed to go and play for GPS in Brisbane, uh, Jeeps, and uh, uh, it seemed like a really good club and, you know, I was keen to go and play there. A few mates that I played for Queensland with uh, were going there. Um, so I thought, yep, that's, that's where I'm going to head. And then, um, yeah, I'd sort of, I don't think I'd told them that at this stage. I just sort of like internally sort of thought, yep, that's, that's what I'm going to do. And then um, Tommy Bishop, you know, ex-Cronulla, um, captain coach in 73, is the one that graded my dad. Out of respect for my dad, because my mum and dad were living in Darwin at the time and I was a boarding school on the Gold Coast, he would come and watch me play because dad, dad didn't want to speak to any rugby people because he didn't like the game and he, he wanted to speak to someone he trusted to see if I was going all right. So he'd speak to Tommy Bishop and Tommy, mate, Tommy was hard as a coffin nail, mate. He was tough and I'd play pretty well and he'd go, mate, miss this tackle. And, you know, I'm like, right on. So he'd speak to dad and anyway, after all this had sort of gone down, Tommy and dad were speaking and, and Tommy said to dad, is he going to Cronulla? And, and dad said, no, I haven't spoke to him. And he goes, have you spoken to Cronulla? He goes, no, I haven't spoken to Cronulla. And he goes, well, I'm going to ring him. So, he, so Tommy rang Cronulla and said, mate, um, what, are you, what are you doing with Sludge's boy? And they said, oh, well, where is he? What's he doing? He goes, mate, he just played for the Australian schoolboys in rugby. I think he'd love to come back to the Sharks. And so they, they gave my dad a call and, and then dad called me and 
Um, he, he made a deal with them for, for both myself, but, but the kicker was um, when Dad, because I was still pretty keen to stay in rugby, but the kicker was that he said, mate, and, and they've signed your brother too, Don, so they're, they're going to take you both down to Cronulla um, for the 1994 season. So that was like, yeah, I'm in, I'm all in. Um, that, you know, I still had to work, but, but you know, it wasn't professional back then. But um, the thought of going back to Cronulla, um, not only back to my dad's club. So you were saying you, you and your brother got your, your old man got you and your brother to the Sharks. Yeah, so you know, the kicker of the deal was that, I, that my brother um, got signed too. He was playing up in Darwin at the time in the first grade comp up there and just won the premiership and um, he was 20. Uh, he got an opportunity to come down and play under 21s in in '94 in the President's Cup team for the for the Cronulla Sharks. So, yeah, it was a, it was a I'd never played with my brother. Um, obviously, being a few years older than me, um, so the opportunity to go and play with him uh, was sort of too good an opportunity to pass up. Yeah, definitely. It sounds. I mean, you know. But but what I'll say is I still had I still harboured I still harboured those desires to sort of go back and and play rugby and watching my teammates that I'd played you know Queensland and Australian schoolboys with succeed on the rugby field um, just gave me that desire to want to go back there and I didn't think it was sort of possible and then Wendell told me he was going to rugby and I thought wow that's interesting um, so the opportunity sort of came up um, through me me actually reaching out to, to Rugby Australia. Ah, okay, interesting. I, I just, I do want to keep going on the rugby train, but I just wanted to quickly ask because, like, you're you come into first, like, into professional sport, right? And you're doing professional rugby league, and then how long is it before you're sort of thrown into the chaos of Super League? Like, you're not long into your professional career, right? Before you're getting like before this whole shitstorm starts. I'm I'm one game in. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I was one game in. One game? <laughs> it was one game. I'd had one game of, of NRL, or ARL it was back then, and um, the second, I think it was round two, we played in WA, and yeah, we got picked up off the field, um, straight up the race at the, at the Wacker, straight past the dressing room door, out the back, and there was a bus waiting, our bags were on the bus, we were told we're not going to the dressing room. And we thought, yeah, how good is this? Like, I, I know we just beat, I mean, we beat the Western Reds. It wasn't like we beat the reigning premiers. So I thought, <laughs> this, is a, this is a pretty decent sort of celebration for um, beating the Reds. Um, you know, you travel with rugby league back in those days. You're staying at the, the Flag Inn or the, you know, the, the local motor inn. You're not staying in, you know, Sofitels, <laughs> nice hotels. So we ended up going to the Sofitel in, um, in the middle of Perth. Go in there, they've, they've got key room keys with us, our own rooms, so we couldn't talk to anybody. So it's like, go to your, go to your room, get dressed, and come down to this uh, function room, which is like on level two or whatever. And so we all sort of go and you know, get shouted, and we're thinking, oh man, it's a party, let's go, we're, we're celebrating. You know? and we, we go down there and we walk into the room, big, big round tables, and in the, in the middle, there's a big tub of, uh, big, those big silver tubs full of ice and beers. And, mate, we're all making stuff all. So we're all like thinking, how good is this? The club's putting beers on and stuff. And then it, then it starts. And then Ken Cowley and, and Shane Richardson come out and give us the spiel of what Super League's going to be. Um, and Rupert Murdoch's, you know, starting a new league. And the Sharks have, have agreed to, to participate in that new league. Um, we as players don't have to go. Um, but 
you know, that's that's what the Sharks are doing. So it's up, it's up to us. Um, they'll negotiate a new contract with us if we want. And um, then ET got up, ET and Les Davidson, you know, our two senior players who'd already signed with Super League, um, unbeknownst to us, and gave us their spiel about what they're going to do. And, you know, I was, what was I? I was, was 95, so I was 19 years old. And I'm thinking, what is going on? Like, well, I just want to play for the Sharks. It's, you know, I'd worked my butt off for 12 months there trying to get to first grade. I'd finally made it. And then, um, you know, one by one, they took us into a room next door. Um, and, you know, by the time I got in there, I was six years deep. <laughs> Uh, I was so lightweight, so I was, I was blind. <laughs> like I'm struggling to focus on the people talking to me, let alone the contract they put inside. In front of me. And um, yeah, they offered me. I think they offered me. I think I was on. I was on forty grand at the time. They offered me a hundred grand uh, for the next year, a hundred and twenty, and then a hundred and forty, like escalating. Oh. And they put it in front of me, and like I'm on, I'm on forty at the time. So I'm like thinking, and this is back in, you know, start of '95. So it's decent money, and I'm thinking, yeah. wow, what's happening here? Like, and then the kicker was, you know, if you sign, like this deal will be on the on the table for you tomorrow, but if if you sign it now, here's this check, and they held out this check for me, and it's made out to me for twenty five grand. Oh. Like, I, I was on forty, so it's more than <laughs> half of what I was on. I'm, and I'm just sitting there and I'm trying to ring my old man. And my old man's in Darwin. Like, he's running the league up there. And well, he was out on the piss with his mates. So he's, like, not taking my call. Uh, and I'm like, what do I do, you know? So I just signed. I'm like, ah, oh, stuff it. I'm signing. We're going to parties. <laughs> um, <laughs> my old man, like, we, we get on a plane and we fly, we fly back the next day. And there's just, like... The media at the airport was insane. Like, it was unbelievable because we, we were, like, one of the first teams that had signed. I think it was us and the Warriors. And they got us all super cheap for what they were expecting uh, based on, you know, the, the response from the Australian Rugby League. And my old man was ropeable, like, ropeable that I'd signed. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, Dad, I just, like, I've just tripled my money. Like, what, what are you talking about? How, like, as if you wouldn't have signed it. And he was, he was talking like, we were really good mates. Like, Dad was only young at the time. Dad was about 40 at the time. So he wasn't, he was a young dad. And, and he, he knew the game and he knew that the, the ARL weren't going to stand for it. So he was, he was like, nah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not having it. And he was filthy on the Sharks uh, for not including him in what they'd done with his son. So he goes, we're going to the ARL. He's going to meet with the ARL. I said, Dad, I don't want to. Mm. I, I want to play with the Sharks. He goes, no, no, you're going to meet with the ARL. I'm not going to stand for what they've done. And dad could be a pretty sort of dominating figure in my life. So I was like, all right, I'll go. So I go in and have this meeting and I'm sitting in the ARL and Frank Stanton, who I was terrified of because my old man was coached by him as a kid. And all I can remember dad calling him was cranky Frankie. So I'm like terrified of Frank Stanton. So I'm going, going to this meeting and I'm sitting <laughs> with Frank Stanton and, and, and Frank rings my dad on, on speakerphone. So dad's in the, in the meeting from Darwin on speakerphone. I'm sitting there with Frank and Frank tells me, you know, tells dad, look, you know, we'll guarantee the money that he's been offered, um, you know, if he comes back to the ARL. And, and, but, but if I come back to the ARL, I can't play for the Sharks because the Sharks are going to Super League. So I don't, I didn't want to do it. And I'll never, I'll never forget that like sitting in this negotiation room and Frank Stanton leaving and me being on the phone with dad and me saying to dad, dad, I don't, I don't want to 
I don't want to go back to the ARL and play for another club. I want to play for the Sharks. He goes, don't worry, mate. He goes, there's some really nice places to live out at Parramatta. And I was just like, what? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. You are listening to All Talk with Tom and Eddie, and we are speaking to Matty Rogers. And, <laughs> and again, this is, you've played, you've played one game of NRL here, right? One like, game. is this, this is... One game. And... Um, that is insane. So, not, so, so how's this for negotiation skills? My old man negotiates a deal for me that's the same that, that I've got, the same, not, not more, the same that I've got at a place where I want to be for a club, to go to a club where I don't want to be for the same money. So at least get me more money if you're going to send me to Parramatta or send me to, you know, somewhere else. Um, and it didn't... Uh, and, and then Frank left them. And they, they, the, the deal was done. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, do I get a say in this? Um, Frank walks out of the room and, da- and Dad's like, all right, we're all good. Um, they're going to draw up the, the deal and we're going to sign. Um, Dad hangs up the phone. Frank walks out of the room. Gus Gould walks in. And Gus sees me and he's sort of shocked to see me sitting there. Yeah, I bet. And he's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I, my dad and Frank just spoke, you know, about, me coming back to the ARL, and he goes, what do you mean? I said, oh, he goes, what, what, what do they agree on? I said, oh, he just agreed that they guaranteed the money that Super League had guaranteed me. And I'm like, no. Nah. He's like, no. Nah. He's like, no. Nah. He goes, that's not happening. He goes, we're not guaranteeing anything because there's not going to be a Super League. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. And, and I just got up and walked out. <laughs> and um, it was pretty abrupt. Gus, and you can imagine, so, like, he's a passionate league man, and, and he was trying to save the game. And I, but I was just a kid, and I was just terrified, you know, like, I didn't know what to say, and it was pretty upsetting, and I, and I, and I left the meeting, and I got downstairs, got in my car, and I rang Dad, and I said, Dad, I'm staying with the Sharks, I'm not, I'm not leaving the Sharks, like, I, I'm, you know, I, I sort of told him what happened, you know, when Gus came in, he's like, righto, he goes, all right, well, let me call Reeves, so he called John Rebo. And he says to Reeves, Reeves, my son um, signed under duress. I'm, I'm going to get him out of the contract unless we sit down and we, we chat again. And he's like, righto, mate. He said, we really want your boy. So let's catch up at, you know, Sheraton on the park for, for dinner. We'll fly you down. We'll get you in the meeting and we'll, we'll sort something out, you know, to keep your, keep your boy at the Sharks. So um, Ken Cowley, John Rebo and Peter Mulholland was there as well. Um, for some reason. I'm not sure why. I think it was because they were, they were planning on trying to get my dad down to the Western Reds from Darwin and Peter Mulholland obviously coached over there. And um, So they brought, you know, I, I came into this meeting with dad. We rock up. I'm sort of nervous as hell. And we walk into um, the Sheraton on the park into the restaurant and we sit down and no lie, we, we sit down and before we, I'd even touch my water, um, John Rebo says to my old man, Righto, Sludge, let's get the elephant out of the room. Um, you know, what, what, are, what are we going to have to pay to keep the young bloke at the Sharks? Oh. And my old man, <laughs> without even taking a breath, says 250 <laughs> Literally, he, like Reeves, Reeves looks at Ken Cowley and Ken nods his head and he goes, righto, done. Can we enjoy a good meal now? <laughs> oh. Wow. wow. <laughs> Mate. 
I'm literally 19 years old. Like two weeks ago, I'm on 40 grand. Um, and the, the crazy thing, like my whole band is negotiation skills, right? Um, we, we walk out. And my old man's kicking himself. He's like, mate, I could have said 500. <laughs> probably could have. But yeah. remember, you know, a couple, <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was on 40. So I'm, I'm pretty happy, you know. Like, it was, uh, yeah, it was a crazy time. I did, it, it was nuts, eh? Like, some of the stuff that was going on, you look back on it and shake your head and think, geez, we were, yeah. Like, I mean, I think in the end, like, everybody, everybody won. Sort of thing, so. But but on the Bledisloe Cup, what, what what do you reckon you would have said if someone had said to you and the boys after two thousand and two that by twenty twenty three we still haven't won it again? I, I I wouldn't have believed it, um, but yeah, I, I mean, look the way things are going, there, there needs some significant change for it not to be another twenty years. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, New Zealand are just a powerhouse. And we went through an era where, you know, we had some phenomenal talent in our team. You look at the, the likes of, like, some of these players that are going to be, you know, the best ever, you know, your Johnny Hills, your, your Matt Burks, your Todd Ikefus, your Steve Larkins, you know, the, the core of that side, the George Gregans, the core of that side was a, was a pretty unique uh, bunch of talent. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough to, to be a part of, that group for a small period of time um but yeah you know i think they got the right man at the helm to to wrestle it back it's going to take some time if there's one thing that eddie jones can do it's create an upset in world rugby i mean you know he, he got japan to beat south africa like that that i mean that's unique right i mean that's 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 a bigger upset than australia beating new zealand yeah. so I think they've got the right guy at the helm. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. He's still trying to work out who he's team, who, you know, who he can use, who he needs, where he, where he needs to fill some gaps. Uh, unfortunately, he's got to do it on the world stage because there's no other place to do it when you're the, the Australian coach. So there's going to be a few teething issues early, but you know, I'm happy with the guy that's running the show. Have you found it difficult to maintain an interest in rugby union given its sort of unfortunate descent into a little bit of irrelevance in the sort of general sporting psyche in Australia? Uh, it has been tough, I've got to say, and, and the fact that, you know, they, they chuck the game behind a paywall makes it even tougher because it's like, well, do I want to pay to watch it? Yeah. Like, is it, is it worth paying to watch it on TV at the yeah. moment? Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, look, I, I know the guys that, that you know, I've, I've visited Wallaby Camp and, you know, I've, you know, I'm in touch with, you know, people that are, you know, well and truly engrossed in the game. Phil Ward, the new CEO, is a great mate of mine. Um, I'm, you know, I'm going down to Melbourne to watch the game this weekend. Um, they've got some work to do. There's, there's no question. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like... Um, I, I feel like what they're doing is, is smart in relation to, um, you know, bringing back your Will Skelton's and your Richie Arnold's from the French, from the French league to, to play over here. I, I feel like they're making some decisions mm. that's going to make our national side stronger. The reality is, you know, the players that play over in those leagues over in France, um, you know, in, in the UK, they're, they're tough week in, week out um, competitions. Uh, we sort of lack that a little bit in Australia. And if we just say that everyone's going to play in Australia if you're going to play for the Wallabies, means we're going to have players that aren't as battle-hardened and ready to play on the on, on the world stage, so I'm happy with 
them relaxing the laws. I think they're starting to make some decisions to, to bring our wallabies back to a you know a, a dominant nation. You know, we're, I think we're eighth on, at the moment in the world on, on the rankings, which is which is not ideal. It's probably the worst we've been ever. Um, but I feel like they're making the right decisions to turn that around. And look, the ultimate marketing ploy for any team is win. Well, that's it. Like you win, no one cares what else you do. If you win, people want to start to watch you. People want to get yep. behind you and they want yep. to cheer their national team. So they're just going to start winning games. Um, doesn't matter how they do it. Um, you know, you've got to push the barrier. I mean, if you're not, you know, on the edge of cheating, <laughs> like you maybe even stepping over the line a little bit. Um, you know, you, you, you've got to find a way to win. Like, that's the reality of it. Um, you know, I'm not saying go out there and cheat, but you've got to, put, you've got to be right on the edge. Sounds like you are. You've got to push yourself. Yeah, well, you've got to push it. You've got to, I mean, far out. It doesn't happen just by being the nice guy and getting the job done. I mean, mm. you know, Richie McCaw, one of the greatest open side flankers to ever play the game. You know, he's the loveliest human being, but, but he lived his footballing life on the edge of what's legal and what's not legal. And, you know, got called out by people saying, oh, he cheats. Well, mate, no, he's just living on the edge. And that's how you got to, that's where you got to be if you want to compete. And, you know, us as Australians need to, live on that edge and give ourselves the opportunity. This is all talk with Hello Sport. Today we are talking with Wallabies legend, NRL legend, Sharks legend, Titans legend, Queensland legend, Matty Rogers. Now, Matty, we we sort of have a little bit of a different take here at Hello Sport. We're of the strong opinion, Matt, and surely you can agree with this, that in order to win, we need more rugby league players in the side. It's as simple as that. I mean, I'm not ruling out 10-plus rugby league you know, players coming over for a couple of reasons. They're better footy players, first and foremost. No offence. And yeah. secondly, yeah, I, it's I, bums I, on I seats and it's eyeballs on screens. Yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not ruling out the fact that they need, um, they need cattle and, and where do they get that from. I mean... You consider like the two nations that are, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere that are the strongest in South Africa and New Zealand. Like that's all they do. like. Rugby league's its second cup, poor second cousin in New Zealand. Then rugby league doesn't exist in South Africa. Everybody plays rugby. Um, we've got like, rugby league and AFL to compete with. I mean, you could, you could you could you imagine if we just had rugby union, how strong it would be? Um, the fact is, we don't. So we've got to compete with the other codes. Um, but Eddie, Eddie will get the players that he wants. Um, you know, I, I'd love to see Payne Haas playing number eight for the Wallabies. I'd love to see... Same, um, dude. You know, same. Cameron it'd be Murray so good. playing number 12 for the Wallabies. Yeah. It, it'd be devastating. But it, 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 as a rugby league fan, I'm, a, I'm only just like, stay the f*** away from my manly players. Don't take Trebojevic. Don't take... They're looking at Cooler. Like, you can take whoever you want. Because I, I was a... Like, we're rugby fans here. The idea of Payne at number eight like almost Todd Ikefu vibes where you're just like, yes, yes, please give me that. Oh, mate, could you imagine? Um, and, and look, at the end of the day, rugby people can say, we need to develop our own players. And yeah, you do. You absolutely do. And, you know, the, the, the GPS school system is a breeding ground for NRL stars. It's like they're all there. But the GPS school system recruit young rugby league players because they don't care about league or union. They just want to win their school competition. Mm. 
and then they leave there and they go and, and they're prepared for a professional system um, to go back into mm. rugby league. Uh, and there's not, a, there's, not a, there's not as many opportunities in rugby union in Australia. There's, there's only four sides, professional sides, and, and then there's the Wallabies and, and rugby league has so much more to offer in terms of opportunity. So um, they do tend to have to come and buy them back uh, at a higher rate than what they would if they developed their own. But if they want success now, um, which they're screaming for because we haven't had it for so long, they're going to have to spend some money and they're going to have to go and get the Payne Hutts. They're going to have to go and get the Cam Murrays or the Angus Crichtons of the world who have rugby backgrounds, uh, who were through came through a rugby system, who uh, won't take long to you know jump back into that program. Yeah, definitely. Um, you had just started talking about how you approached rugby yourself what was the reasoning behind that were you sick of rugby league or were you just did you always want to once rugby had gone professional we'd won the world cup like did you just have that rugby union itch that you wanted to scratch uh, i had an itch to scratch there's there's definitely that's why i approached rugby but it was also a little bit behind um where i was playing at the time like i was playing on the wing for the sharks i was a fly half in rugby union so i played australian school boys a fly half and now i'm playing on the wing and i just knew i had more to offer a football team than being on the wing and i got mm a bit sick of just carting the ball into a line of forwards off, you know, kick returns. Um, I knew I had more to offer. And I, I spoke to Chris Anderson mm-hmm. and he was the incoming coach at the Sharks and my contract was up. I said to my dad, I want to speak to Oaks before I sign anything. And to Oaks' credit, like I, I said, I just said to him, I said, mate, if I stay here, where are you going to play me? I said, because I don't want to play on the wing. He goes, mate, if you stay here, he goes, you're one of the best wingers in the country. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to move you. Like, that's where I want you, you know. Um, so I just decided pretty much then and there I wasn't going to be playing for the Sharks because I, I knew I had more to offer. So I had to sort of – and rugby was, was a, a great alternative. Um, I didn't really want to play against the Sharks at the time. Like, I, I really loved the Sharks. My dad was the boss there. I didn't want to go to another club. Uh, rugby, um, a friend of mine named John Dunphy, who he acted sort of as a, as a quasi-agent for me because I didn't have one, I said, can you speak to, you know, Rugby Australia? So he, he, he got him into a meeting and Jeff Miller just put all the cards on the table and there were a lot of cards, you know, the money, the, the, the travel, the opportunity to play in a different position. <laughs> um, so, yeah, at that point, I just, I, I basically, in my mind, agreed that, yeah, I'm going, I'm going back to rugby. Um, Dumpy said, oh, do, you, do, you want to, do you want me to talk about money? I said, oh, I, I just knew I'd... And, and I didn't want to, I don't want to sound arrogant. I just knew I was going to get paid wherever I went. Like if I went, if I stayed at the Sharks, I was going to make good money. If I went to rugby, I was going to make good money. I was in a position in my career where money wasn't really the issue. It was like, what do I want to do? And the, the rugby, the rugby thing looked very attractive. So to go back there and, and, you know, I met with um, Eddie Jones. I met with uh, Bob Dwyer. They didn't want me to go to Queensland because Wendell was in Queensland. So Eddie was the Brumbies coach. Bob was the New South Wales coach. I really connected with, with Bob, uh, Bob Dwyer. Um, he, he sort of had some ideas around where I'd play. He wanted me to play fullback. Um, I knew they had Matt Burke there. Mm. So I'm like, mate, you've got the best fullback Australia's ever had at, at fullback at the Waratahs. How are you going to make this work? He goes, no, I'll speak to Burke. I think he'd make a great outside centre. And I think fullback's your position. And Burke, you know, to his credit, you know, it was all about the team. He said, mate, I'm happy to move to 13. He goes, you can, you can play fullback, I'll teach you. And he took me under his wing. Eddie was, well, Eddie was a bit aloof when I met with him about the Brumbies because he, he knew he'd, he was taking the, the Wallabies job, so he couldn't talk too much about 
what was going to happen at the Brumby. So it was just an easy fit for me to go to the Waratahs. Right. Um, but yeah, it was in the end, you know, I, I did this whole sort of around the world thing to, to get back to rugby league playing five eight where where I, I wanted to play initially. And the thing that, that pissed me off the most was I, I played South uh, for the Tide and I played five eight and we ended up winning the game and John Lang was the coach at the time who was the guy that put me on the wing and wouldn't take me off the wing at Cronulla. And I love Lang and, and you know, but he came in after the game, he said, Mate, I made a a huge mm-hmm. mistake. He goes, I, sh- I should never have kept you out there. He goes, after what I saw tonight, you, you should have been playing five eight, you know, fifteen years ago at Cronulla. And I'm like, thanks, mate, but you know, that doesn't help me. The fact that you know I've had to, you know, like, if I was playing five eight at the start, I would never have left. So yeah, but the rugby opportunity was huge for me. Um, you know, I loved yeah. it, and uh, yeah, it gave me, you know, a, a, certainly a different lifestyle. You know, met met the very different fans of rugby to the rugby league fans. And, and I guess my wife got to experience um, rugby fans as opposed to league fans initially. Not that I don't, like league fans are great. Let me tell you, it's uh, they're a very different crowd. No, of course. We, we really appreciated uh, your time. It was, it was great to talk to you. We, uh, we really appreciate it. And as I said at the start, you're, uh, you're one of the, the legends of our time growing up. And uh, it's been really nice to have a yarn and have you on. No worries.